Welcome to episode 4 of Denzel Washington. On this episode, we discuss the filmography of Academy Award-winning actor Denzel Washington. Johnny talks about his favorite scene from Philadelphia, and Eddie shares his thoughts on two recently seen Denzel Washington films. We invite you to grab some popcorn and your favorite beverage, take a seat, and put up your feet, because we're talking movies. Welcome back. I'm Johnny Popcorn. And I'm Eddie Klieg, and we're talking movies. First, Eddie and I want to thank those who took time last week to listen in and write comments. We did get someone also to respond to the trivia question I tossed out during episode two, which was based on the movie Shane. So we're going to give a big shout out to Arctic Warlock who gave the correct answer as Alicia Cook Jr., who played Frank Stonewall Tory in that movie. It's also probably a good time to answer last week's question, who was the famous movie composer who composed much of the music for the Bond films during our that we discussed uh, and did most of those films over the years. He was one of my favorites, the late John Barry. And if the name is unfamiliar to some of you, he also did the music for several prominent films such as Lion in Winter, Out of Africa, Dances with Wolves, Chaplin, and the very romantic Somewhere in Time, among many, many more. And since most of what we do here is from memory, as Eddie well knows, occasionally my brain misfires. It did last week during the Ridley Scott discussion when I mentioned that Russell Crowe had played a reporter in American Gangster. Actually, he was a cop, not a reporter. And that individual became, later became friends with Frank Lucas, the real person, drug lord, played by Denzel Washington. And finally, before we move on to today's discussion, I want to make amends for my failure last week to fully recognize the significance of a movie I mentioned. I'm talking about Green Book. I gave a brief summary of the film about Don Shirley, the pianist who was accompanied by a gentleman named uh, Tony Vallandolonga, uh, throughout the South, but I didn't mention the accolades it received. Here are a few. Academy Award for Best Picture, Academy Award for Best Actor in a Supporting Role, and that was Mahershala Ali. Academy Award for Best Original Screenplay, which was done by three individuals, Peter Farrelly, Nick Valanga, who is the Mr. Valanga's son, and Brian Curry, the director. Golden Globe Award for Best Supporting Actor, Golden Globe for Best Motion Picture, BAFTA Award for Best Actor, Screen Actors Guild, and a host of others. So I apologize for sometimes being rushed. We keep an eye on the clock and not giving full recognition to the importance of that film. That said, that covers, I've covered all my mistakes, Eddie, and uh, so where are we going now? Well, in light of you mentioning just a little bit ago about the this guy, he was an American gangster with our subject of last week, Ridley Scott, and also filmed uh, five pictures with Tony Scott, Ridley's brother. We're talking Denzel Washington. Ah, what a surprise. What a surprise. Well, 
and I, I'm going to say something. Last week, I kind of raged because we then, as I said last week, I took full responsibility for Ridley Scott, one of my favorite directors. Well, we might have given Mr. Scott a little short shrift because I jumped right into it and assuming that everybody out there, and I know many of you did know, but you may not have known much of his background. So we apologize to Mr. Scott, other than the fact that recognizing he is an English man has done for, for over 40 years, he's been a recognizable and dominant figure in the director and producer side, as we alluded to. So this week, we're going to correct that a bit by giving some background on the individual we're going to be talking about. So Eddie, uh, why don't you uh, tell the folks a little bit about what you discovered and what you thought was significant about Mr. Washington? Yeah, I've got a few things. Also, um, a couple of quotes that I thought really neat. First, uh, when he went to college, he was studying biology because he wanted to become a doctor. Then he switched to political science and then to uh, journalism and then became a drama major. I think that's interesting, especially the political science since he does a lot of cop type stuff. Yeah. <laughs> He's only the sixth actor in history to win both leading and supporting acting Oscars. Um, the other five are Robert De Niro, Gene Hackman, Kevin Spacey, Jack Lemmon, and Jack Nicholson. Pretty good company. Yeah, definitely. Amazing company. He often portrayed real people. I guess Ruben Hurricane Carter in The Hurricane, uh, Malcolm X in Malcolm X, Herman Boone in Remember the Titans, Frank Lucas as Johnny had mentioned earlier in American Gangster, Steve Biko in Cry Freedom, and Melvin Tolson in The Great Debater. In almost all the films that he carried a gun. So Man on Fire, American Gangster, Johnny Q. And I can contest the two of them that yesterday I watched in preparation for our show today, Training Day and Two Guns. In each of those movies, there's always a scene where he handles a sidearm and it's usually a nine millimeter Beretta. And the scene has him swiftly ejecting the bullet from the loaded chamber pulling back the slide assembly and subsequent, subsequent what's the word I'm looking for? Subsequently. Here we go. Catching the <laughs> bullet before it falls to the ground. Uh, and it's really cool because I read that fact before I watched those two movies. And sure enough, I paused and yelled to my wife, you just did it. That's, anyways, I got a, he worked with Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. And I thought this was interesting because Tom Hanks at the time was 1993. Most of the movies that he had done by that point was more comical, big, and Turner and Hooch and stuff like that. In 1993, when in Philadelphia, he, he was quoted as saying that working with Washington on Philadelphia was like going to film school. He learned more about acting by watching Denzel than anyone else. And then if you look at Tom Hanks's movies after that, they just go to the serious and the ones that we now remember him the most of and that he's won awards for. So, and then lastly, um, I want to end with a quote from Denzel that I thought was pretty cool. He says, it's simple. You get a part, you play a part, you play it well, you do your work and you go home. And what is wonderful about movies is that once you're done, they belong to the people. Once you make it, it's what they see. That's where my head is at. So that was Denzel Washington. Yeah, there's one other thing, too, that I, I saw another quote that uh, and he's adamant about not ad-libbing much or uh, and, and staying within character. And, of course, 
We'll, we'll keep saying this, or at least I will keep saying this, the characters matter. And he he loves to play, and it's characters that that bringing, bringing certain characters' life, whether they're good, bad, or indifferent. But it said if it isn't on the page, it isn't on the stage. And that goes back to his early years when he did a lot of stage work. And he's also commented that he wouldn't mind going back and doing a couple Shakespearean plays that he's never had the opportunity to do, one of which I recall, I think, was Richard III. So anyway, basically, he's a pro. He's a consummate pro. We love the work he's done. So with that said, a little background. I guess we ought to talk about some movies. And I think because his filmography is pretty long as well, just like Ridley Scott, these people have done an awful lot of work over many, many years that we're probably not going to talk about every film, but we are going to highlight some that we think are either significant or where we've disagreed. I'm talking about Eddie and I on a couple of points. And generally we, we agree more than disagree. So occasionally we find some things that don't work out. In fact, Eddie, I think, uh, we were talking earlier that uh, there's a couple of movies more recently that, uh, and we're going to talk about, mention Equalizer and Equalizer 2, which is based on the old TV series where he plays Robert McCall. The original was back in the 80s, where an English actor by the name of Edward Woodward played the gentleman who had a background in special forces and helped the downtrodden or the desperate in the streets of New York. When we watched... Eddie and I watched these films together. We saw the first one. We loved it. I thought it was a great rendition. And I raised the point that when we saw Equalizer 2, at the close of the first, it tied in with the old TV series where he started, he got the idea then to put out, this way he did it on the internet, uh, a small ad that odds against you, nowhere to turn, call the Equalizer. Well, when I saw 2, I said... I thought they were setting up the sequel pretty well, but then Eddie had told me, and I think you were prepared to comment again today, that he oh. doesn't like to do sequels. Yeah, I've got a quote for, from him. He says, people keep talking about it, but it's not a big deal. You know, he asks, he asks the question, is there a curse in doing sequels? Now, Washington has been nominated for nine Academy Awards, two Oscars, over the three decades. And his reason for not doing sequels, the only time I've been asked was for Safe House, but that didn't make sense because my character had died. So they were talking about a prequel. And I was asked for Inside Man, but this one, talking about Equalizer, made sense. Didn't have the feeling of a sequel for him because of familiarities with filmmaker Anton Fuqua, yeah, who directed the original Equalizer. Yeah, normally he does not do sequels, but uh, you know, leading into the second movie, he's answering an ad, right? Well, you corrected me on that. I thought it didn't right. carry over. Yeah, yeah. I said I thought when they went into it, and then you reminded me in the opening sequence, then I went back and I've seen it again. When he's on the train, going to bash these That's the first thing he's in. He's in character, or he's got a man, he's got fake beard and a... He's dressed like a, a Muslim, like a, like a religious, you know, highly religious like, person. He's going through the cars and he gets this one car, does his thing with his watch. And if you guys have seen Equalizer, he uh, 
love how he times himself and he can see everything that's going on. Uh, where all the direction, where he's going to go the first, where he's going to go second, where he's going to go third. But then he, he cleans out all those people in the car and he rescues this girl. I would say that that's kind of related to the answering of the ad. He's being hired or asked to go save somebody. Yeah, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And I, I didn't make that tie. And I must admit that uh, I kind of disconnected, if you will. I mean, I love the start of it, but I didn't disconnect. And it becomes obvious that he saved the girl. So that would be that he obviously was responding to some sort of, of ad. And then he goes on to the rest of the film. You said, you said I was right? Yes, you're right. Okay. Yeah. In, in, insert new sound that means, <laughs> so, that means Eddie is right. Yeah. So, okay, you've seen a lot of these films. I've seen most of them. Um, what are some of you'd like to comment on or anything that you saw was, well, for example, you said you saw Training Day. It's an Academy Award winner. I said that there are some films, as I said last week, that uh, like No Country for Old Men I, with Javier Bardem, I, I chose not to watch. Frankly, I never got into watching Training Day, which is, seems shameful since he did win the Oscar for it. But you did watch it. Did you think it's, uh, did you think it was one of his best? Let's put it that way. Okay, so the character he plays is is a bad guy, um, and, and I know he's played other roles where you know he's had some baggage from things he's done in the past. But this guy was just straight bad. And in like like I said in preparation for the show, I watched it since I know you hadn't watched it. The character he plays is a messed up, overboard narcotics detective, and then also in the movie is Ethan Hawke. Who plays a, a new a new guy who he's the, a patrol guy who wants to get in to this uh, narcotic team with um, Washington's character. I can see why he received the Oscar for it. The the movie made me feel uncomfortable in several spots. His acting and his digging deep into the character was unbelievable. I, I, like I said, I kept several times I'd say to myself, boy, this guy is a bad guy. And it's just the way that Denzel is, you know, acting and, and, and portraying this person. It, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Well, that's, I'd say that's pretty consistent with what I see as his greatest strength is he always tends to bring humanity good. Again, we're all imperfect and able to find that part of the character, even when they're doing bad things. He's even said that himself. And that's the thing of the actor. This is my guy. I'm going to find out what makes him tick, and I'm going to put it on the screen and let the people decide. And my favorite films, as much as I enjoy watching him, there's some that I prefer over others, mainly because I get a glimpse of him dealing with that conflicted part of that individual or having to deal with current consequences while being tied to past things that maybe were either unsavory, illegal, or just caused him pain in his life. So let's arbitrarily, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about one in particular, and that happens to be a flight where he is totally competent and an excellent pilot, obviously, because he saves these people by doing what most people would say is an oddball thing, a last desperate act when he flies the plane upside down and then twists it back and was able to land it, or crash land it, 
and saved at least, what, half the people. But he did it while he was drunk and he was an alcoholic and that was there. And he was almost, he was almost ready to continue to hide that fact, which would have probably relieved him of responsibility, but he chose the right course. So there was some sense of redemption in the character. But I love the fact that he had to do, there's certain parts of the film I thought they got a little off that path, constantly going back to the farm and so on. That's what I like about his films. There's those ones where, where he's an average guy, he's playing a normal guy, he's playing a cop, he's playing somebody elevated like a, with big responsibilities like an airline captain. But that's what makes him tick for me, why I really love the guy. And he's able, he's one of those actors, he, and I, he and T Tom Hanks gave him credit. I, I view him and Tom Hanks, the, he and Tom Hanks almost the same way. They could play about anything and be believable. You don't say, there's Tom Hanks, or there, gee, there's Denzel Washington. You get lost in the fact of who the character is, and he can play an every man, if you will, even though he's a good looking guy, he can, and then he can not dumb himself down, if you will. And if you watch Yorman J. Israel, where he's a, the legal savant with the big frizzy hair and everything, which is totally, seems so totally away. But again, he finds the essence of the character to make that. And it, I don't know if you've seen that film. I, I don't think do, you've I, I seen did. it. It's uh, on my list. Well, it's, it's, it's an intriguing film. I'm glad I watched it. I, it's not one of his greatest films, but it's interesting because of what he does with the character. And again, that's what great actors do. So how about you? What do you you got something well, you I want to go back to trains okay. for a second. Yep. Because yes, if it was a good movie. I mean I, and I talked about Denzel and the Oscar and that sort of thing. I mean, there were some some f funny parts, I guess you could say. I mean, there were some times where I was gigging a little. Uh and, and I can't go into too much detail because our podcast is family friendly and all. But if you can imagine, you got Snoop Dogg in a wheelchair. You have uh, Macy Gray, who plays a very funny part. Uh, Eva Mendez is his uh, love interest. And then the people who have seen Breaking Bad will know who I'm talking about. The crazy Mexican guy um, in Breaking, Breaking Bad, his name was Tuco. And there was, um, he was in it a couple times, but there was uh, one episode where they're out in the middle of nowhere and his uncle, Uncle... Um, what was his name? Uncle Tio was there, and, and Uncle Tio was paralyzed, couldn't talk. But people will remember the bell. He was always ringing the stupid bell on his chair. But that um, that nephew, Tuco, who was crazy in Breaking Bad, is in this movie as well, and I, I thought he did great. Um, other than that, I did see, also, after Crane Day, I watched Two Guns, co-stars with Mark Wahlberg in it. Tons of action, a lot of comic relief. The late, great Bill Paxton played one of the characters. He was kind of like a bad guy. He was a bad guy. You've seen this one, too. Yeah, right? he's a bad guy. Yeah. Um, Edward James Olmos, is that how you pronounce him? Olmos, yeah. He played the head of a Mexican drug cartel. He was really good. I, I recognize him from a lot of different things, but mostly from Battlestar Galactica. That, <laughs> the, the, not the one from back in the day, the more recent ones. I must say that out of the two... I did enjoy Two Guns much more than Training Day. Training Day was just, I don't know, I guess, like I said, uncomfortable. Yeah. I, I did not did not like seeing Denzel playing that type of ruthless player. Um, 
obviously the Ford yeah. Press loved it because he received an Oscar. But no, he was a he was a dy dynamic character. I always thought Two Guns was like I got the feeling with Two Guns, these were two guys just having fun making a movie. You know, we, yeah. they had a script and uh, they were getting paid for it, but they didn't make a lot of money as compared to normal, I suppose. But they had fun doing it. And uh, Wahlberg, of course, has re received star status in recent years with all the various films. And I must say, I've seen a lot of his films. I tend to watch them. I tend to choose films based on the actors. It's pretty easy when you get somebody like a Tom Hanks or a Denzel Washington or Russell Crowe or any of those types, or even Christian Bale, who's done magnificent work in and out of, 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 the, of the bat suit. Glory, which is uh, to, based on the Civil War film, the all-black unit led by the, the uh, commanding officer from Massachusetts, an attack on Fort Wagner. He won his first Academy Award for that, for the supporting actor, because the scene where he's whipped, and if you see it, he's the recalcitrant recruit, not about to take any orders from the white officers, at least at the beginning, and he's whipped for his insolence. Uh, the scene, I did did a quick look at how he was preparing himself for that, and he decided, and he looks right into the camera, and it's like, they're not going to break me type of thing. It's a magnificent performance. That alone, just that scene probably got him the Oscar, and he's terrific in it, and so is everybody else in the cast, Morgan Freeman and uh, several others. Matthew Broderick plays the commanding officer. Uh, my favorite film, and, and I love... And again, it's about genre. We almost have to separate it as to who's playing, what they're playing, is again, Philadelphia. And it's early in his career, and that's the one that Hanks commented, learning from him. I think it's a terrific movie. Tom Hanks, if you don't remember, was the lawyer who was brilliant in his took on the best cases from his law firm until they discovered that he had AIDS, and then they fired him. And he's looking around for anyone who's going to handle a gay lawyer who's been discriminated against, who currently has AIDS, and he lands in the office of a black attorney who's played by Denzel Washington, who also is not too happy to be dealing with anyone from a homosexual world. And it, the twist, it goes on. But the scene that, that sold the movie for me, and it's a, it's a bittersweet film, it's a lovely film, it deals with all kinds of issues. And in fact, in today's looking by the, the tumult that's going on today and the changes that are occurring, it shows you how far we have come uh, with those issues. But there's a scene in the film where he's visiting to go over something for the courtroom, and Tom Hanks, who has lost a lot of weight in this for this portrayal, is an opera buff, and he's playing a Maria Callas aria. And of course, Denzel knows nothing about opera, basically. And he's explaining to Denzel as, a, as the music plays and he's moving around the room and he's got this IV, the IV stand that he's moving around with and explaining the opera. And I believe it's, I, my memory comes back, it's Andre Chenier, which is Maria Callas' uh, aria. That scene alone and, and watching the, the face of Denzel as he's coming to realize, and again, we're dealing with the humanity issue again and how... He grabs the essence of humanity and understanding not only his character, but the issues around him. I just love the film for that, that scene alone, and then how his transformation occurs. So that's one of my, one of my faves. 
And we're just going to have a couple of the comments. I get back to you. The taking of Pelham one, two, three, unstoppable. He's a he's a true pro. He's just an average guy. They get put into circumstances with Chris Pine to save this runaway train. Again, a Tony Scott film. Taking of Pelham one, two, three, which was a remake of the old Walter Matthau film, where the bad guy again was Robert Shaw, the guy who was the bad guy in the Bond film we talked about from Russia with Love. Again, he plays Walter Garber. He's the trained dispatcher guy that uh, has a backstory that comes out. Again, a guy with a past and an inside man. He's a detective solving a very complicated, trying to solve a very complicated bank robbery situation. And it becomes known that he has background. So again, backstory on these people and dealing with circumstances while he still has things in his life that may not be exactly the way he would have preferred them. Those films, I think, from those, for me, illuminate uh, some of Denzel at his best when he can play across all kinds of situations. Average guy, be the hero. You go back to the remake of Magnificent Seven, again, he's the hero. He's playing the Ewell Brenner role, but a totally different situation. So, in, in um, taking the taking of Pelham one two three. Mm -hmm. Bad guy was John Travolta. John Travolta, that's right. John Travolta made a whole history. He's made a whole new career being a bad guy, and he's terrific. Yeah, he's a great guy. Kind of reinvented himself. Yeah, we could do a Travolta show sometime. Right, I'm just quickly looking through Magnificent Seven. Yep, we actually saw that together in the yep. theater. You said Flight Safe House with Ryan Reynolds. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. Um, Inside Man. Who was that with? That was with... Uh, Clive Owen. Clive, Clive Owen is the uh, robber. Yeah, that one has a little twist there. And Christopher Plummer is in it and and, and, and uh, Jamie Foster. So they have a very good uh, uh, very good cast in that. Deja Vu. Did I say that right? Deja Vu. No. I'm having Deja Vu. Deja Vu. Did I say Deja Vu? Yeah. No, you hadn't mentioned it. That's oh, okay, one. You, okay. you, that's a very interesting film. It's a little confusing in some parts. I I, I watched it like three. I've seen it like three times. I finally kind of mm -hmm. sorted some things out. Yeah, the, all these others are are very very. Uh, I mean, how are you going to do it? I mean, he did Fences. He directed Fences based on the uh, the stage play, of course, Austin August Wilson, and Viola Davis gets the Academy Award. So and he wanted to do that again a stage. His respect for the stage and recreating it i've got i got two questions for you sure first of all uh, going back to the philadelphia the opera what, what opera did you say i think it's andre chenier if i recall did you google you'd go to the google machine and check my memory aria from what yeah, yeah. andre chenier yep which uh there was also a, a french movie made a movie i believe it was made in french it, it's kind of parallels the same story out of the the terror that is recreated in uh, uh, the the Dickens novel. So, so my question is: yeah. is so in Training Day, Denzel Washington plays this dirty cop, really disgusting, awesome, did awesome performance. Yeah. He played a drug lord though in Gangster American, American Gangster. Right. How was his character? That was later in his career. How did he portray that character? Kind of like a nasty guy type of thing, over the top. No, the thing that made him so good because, well, first of all, he was well dressed, he was well situated, and he, you know, one of his idols was uh, Martin Luther King. He was a respected businessman on the one side, so no, he he played evil with a beautiful setting, 
there is a scene where he shoots uh, Idris Elba early in years right on the street. The guy said, what are you going to do, shoot me in day broad daylight? And he does. Shoots him right on the street with impunity because he basically owns that whole neighborhood. But he no, he's a classy guy. He, he knows everybody. You know, here in training day, as I recall, you know, he's got the chain around. He, he's gritty. He's not gritty. And I mean, he's he's dirty, but he's he puts a panache on. I mean, he's he's he, there's where his charm and his good looks are used to its advantage, even though he's representing evil, if you will, evil or bad guy doing bad things and trying to be busted by the, the police. So he was a nice drug lord. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that's the way he was. It's almost a godfather. It's a godfather type of thing. He owned that neighborhood. Oh, I see. Okay. Okay. And they were bumping up against some other people. I mean, let's face it, Josh Brolin in that film plays a dirty, uh, I think he's a, he's a, I think he's a cop. I have to, let's not get incorrect again here. Right. But anyway, he has a territory in New Jersey. So if you come over there, don't, don't you better be asking permission before you come over here. Right. So. We better watch out because I believe that is somewhat of a true story. Yeah. It is. Somewhere, so. it is. It is based on a true story. And they became friends. And, and, and we talked about it because Frank Lucas, the drug lord, just died a couple of weeks ago. Cool. Thank you for answering those questions. Well, I don't know if I answered them, but anything else you want to say about Denzel? What's the, how's the clock on the wall uh, treating us or what's it telling us, Eddie? Well, Johnny, looks like it's that time again, but yeah. before I turn it over to you. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Um, as always, thank you for listening and subscribing to our show. We'd be grateful if you would leave a review. And if you haven't had a chance yet to subscribe, please do. We have a lot of great shows planned for the coming weeks. For instance, in light of the upcoming baseball all-star game, we're going to be talking baseball movies. And in honor of the 40th anniversary of the original Muppet movie, we're going to be talking Jim Henson. Please tell your family and friends. Anyone can listen for free on Apple Podcasts. New episodes will drop every Monday. Also, new to our website is Johnny's blog. There you will find additional commentary, show notes, references, that were mentioned in the show. Uh, easiest way to subscribe to our podcast is to visit our website, we'retalkingmovies.com, scroll into the bottom of the page and click in the Apple Podcast button. The podcast is also available on, okay, Johnny, I'm going to do this all in one breath, right? Okay. Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Double Twist, Palazzo, Podcast Pup, Podcast Blaster, and Radio Public. If you have a show idea or just want to say that popcorn guy is nuts, send us a comment through our website, DM us on Instagram at We Talkin' Movies, or tweet us at We Talkin' Movies. That's it for me. Well, that pretty much sums it up. Looks like that's all for today, folks. Until next time, keep your eyes on the silver screen. And as we fade to black, this is Johnny Popcorn and Eddie Klieg saying so long till we're talking again.